I'm Kurt Mowry with uh, Mowry Farms in Sandy Point, Texas. You're listening to the latest news in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Hello, Texas. We are locked, loaded, and ready to roll with another edition of Texas Ag Today. All you've got to do is jump on in with me and buckle up. We're going to take a ride around the Lone Star State as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the nation, Texas agriculture. In the news today, the United States is stepping up the pressure on the Mexican biotech corn ban. Plus, a Texas senator is teaming up with a Midwest senator to take on the EPA. We'll have those stories coming up to kick off today's show. My name is Kerry Martin. I'm your host along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. From the piney woods of East Texas to the rocky ranges of the Trans-Pecos. And from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. More and more, it looks like we will lose some production in the Texas High Plains this season as farmers' plants have been disrupted by our heavy rains. I'm James Hunt, and we'll talk about that on Texas Ag Today. Texas cotton farmers have a new technology available this year that helps fight against unwanted pests in the fields. I'm Tom Nicoletti, and I'll have that report on Texas Ag Today. Our Coastal Bend farmers have a very good crop in the making this season. This is Harvey Buring reporting from the Corpus Christi area. We'll have those stories plus Texas wildlife news and a complete look at the markets all coming up. The U.S. Trade Representative's Office announced that it's filing a dispute settlement under the U.S.-Mexico-Canada agreement in response to Mexico's ban on biotech corn for human consumption. U.S. Trade Representative Catherine Tai. We are urging Mexico to address our concerns with agricultural biotechnology. We recently requested technical consultations with Mexico under the USMCA, and we will continue to consider all options available under that agreement to fix this problem. Tai says Mexico's measures are inconsistent with several of its obligations in the sanitary and phytosanitary measures and market access chapters of the U.S.-Mexico-Canada agreement. The 13th Annual Central Texas Stocker Cattle Program coming up on June 21st in the town of West Texas, just north of Waco. It'll be held at the West Auction Barn with breakfast and lunch provided. A B Quality Assurance certification will be provided for those who complete the requirements of the program. Contact the McLennan County Extension Office if you'd like to attend. A Texas senator is teaming up with a Midwest senator to stop the EPA from including ERINs in its final renewable volume rule. Texas Senator John Cornyn and Iowa Senator Chuck Grassley have introduced a bill to head off the EPA's plan. Grassley says this is something the renewable fuel standard never intended. Senator Cornyn and I, as a result of what the administration is doing, introduced a bill to preserve the renewable fuel standard and prevent another handout to the EV manufacturers. We've heard rumors that the administration is waking up finally, might be pulling the E-RINS proposal because of the bill. But Grassley says the EPA may still include E-RINS in future renewable volume rules. 
The challenges for Texas High Plains cotton growers continue. First, it was drought. Now it's flooding. And another big challenge is the lack of any cover to plan into because we've had so many failed crop acres. That's according to Gerald Key with Adobe Walls Gin and Spearman. We like to plant cotton in cover because it's tender plant. And as you know, the wind blows and the dirt moves. And there's not a whole lot of available cover in our dryland scenario right now. So I don't think anybody's going to plant it on bare ground. Now, they may have some milo stalks and some stuff like that from last year. But the wheat crop is almost non-existent up in our part of the world. And if there is some wheat that kind of was okay and they've got an opportunity to kill it and use that for cover, there's probably some of that. But, boy, there's a lot of wheat that never even came up. Gerald Key with Adobe Walls Gin. Heavy rains continue to disrupt the crop situation on the Texas High Plains. James Hunt tells us that could result in a loss of production this year. On our farms, we get so used to farming in drought that when the rain does start and continues then nonstop for a month, it's such a different concept for us to work with. That's Wesley Spurlock of Stratford who says he has received about 14 to 20 inches of rain on his farms in the northern panhandle since late April. And all those downpours have sidetracked the planting he had begun. We continue to look at it and try to figure out what to do. We've still got a lot of corn scheduled to plant, several thousand acres, and I think our intentions are still to, if it gives us the break this week, to still put a lot of corn in the ground. Unfortunately for Spurlock, the big rains have caused him to cancel plans to grow cotton this season, with sorghum and corn possible alternatives for filling those acres. In the southern panhandle, Barry Evans of Cress is looking for his cotton crop to rebound. I do have all my cotton planted, but the rain and the cool weather has made it sick. Some of it, where we really had some hard rains and some hail, is too thin to keep, so I've got to make some decisions on that. I've got some other that's just had rain and the cold weather, and it's still alive, but it's not real healthy. So there's going to be a lot of decisions to be made over the next two weeks. I am planting sorghum when we can. We've got all just barely started on some sorghum. What little bit we planted is up, and the sorghum loves this weather. So I'm really hoping to get some more sorghum in just as soon as we can. Wesley Spurlock and Barry Evans, a couple of producers trying to forge ahead, even as some farmers in the region may be forced to go the prevented planting route. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Texas cotton farmers have some new technology to help fight insects. Tom Nicoletti goes to South Texas for the story. South Texas DeKalb Asgro Delta Pine technical agronomist Scott Stanislav is my guest today. He highlights this spring's commercial launch of Thrive On Technology that provides built-in protection for control of key tarnished plant bug and thrips species. This is our, really our first opportunity in this market to look at the Thrive On Technology that's, that's stacked with our Bulgar 3 and, and ExtendFlex trait. Uh, in cotton uh, previous years with some stewardship requirements and our close proximity to key export markets that kind of hamstrung us on being able to evaluate the technology in, in these varieties. And so you know, this Thrive On technology, specifically for us mainly, it's it's going to be a thrips play where we control our suppression of tobacco thrips, western flower thrips, which can be a problem for us early season in this market. You know, I would say overall this year, the, the thrips pressure with the 
planting window that's been so prolonged. In some areas, we really didn't get a whole lot of pressure. And so we, we obviously wouldn't expect to see a difference when we don't get any thrips pressure. But in the upper Gulf Coast of Texas this year, we've managed to get some good opportunities to see some side-by-sides of Thrive-On technology next to non-Thrive-On technology. We're able to capture some pretty good differences there with the protection from thrips. So there's four commercial Delta Pine varieties that that have Thrive-On technology in them that we are evaluating this year, and that is Delta Pine 2131, Delta Pine 2211, Delta Pine 2317, and Delta Pine 2328. So there's four brand new varieties with Thrive-On technology that are commercially available this year that we are evaluating. That is Scott Stanislav. He is a technical agronomist with DeKalb Asgro Delta Pine. I'm Tom Nicoletti with the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Coastal Bend farmers have a very good crop in the making. Harvey Buring has an update from Corpus Christi. Well, despite a good portion of our Coastal Bend's cotton crop uh, requiring replanting this season, it's a bit later than normal, but the month of May and early April actually gave it a big boost with blanketing general rains and great growing conditions here during the past couple of weeks has really caused that crop to grow and make up time, even though it's a bit later than normal. Our corn crop is an excellent crop in the making this year. Corn acreage has been on the increase here in the coastal bend, expected to be 15 to 20 percent more acres planted than in previous years. And that crop also looking very good at this time. Excellent pollination occurred. And most of the earlier planted corn is now in the soft dough development stage and kernels are looking good. Hopefully, great yields will come from that corn crop. Now, the grain sorghum crop is a major dryland acreage crop here in the coastal bend, and it also showing very good head development. The only exception are those low-lying areas and fields that have kind of stunted plant growth for the sorghum, but all in all, a good sorghum crop in the making as well. Now, hay producers, seeing some of the best recovery from the previous drought years that they could expect this year in their warm season pasture grasses, they're close to beginning a first cutting this year. One of the major challenges for those hay producers could be finding a period where it's rain-free enough to go in and cut that hay without any problems from the weather. Cattle producers are also enjoying some very good spring growing conditions this year, and those cattle prices continue to increase and remain strong. The only complaint from our livestock producers are that They had to reduce those herds during the drought and currently don't have all the calves they'd like to take to the sale barn and enjoy these historic high market prices for their cattle. Reporting for Texas Ag Today from the Coastal Bend area, this has been Harvey Buring. Texas deer hunters will need to be mindful of several new chronic wasting disease zones when deer hunting season starts in the fall. I'm Jessica Dolmel, and I'll have more information on those new zones coming up on Texas Ag Today. And there are several ways to treat moon blindness in horses. Dr. Bob Judd has more on that coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today. Why do you listen? I listen to radio to stay up on news, weather, current events around the local community. It keeps me up to date with everything going on in the world. It kind of just takes my mind off of the drive, getting some relevant information that's in time. It's always nice to know what's going on. 
Okay, what can I do? Well, listen to the what's coming up and you can plan your day. Why do you listen? Go to whyilisten.com, tell us why you listen, and you have a chance to win $500. Visit whyilisten.com today. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. There are some ways to treat moon blindness in horses. Dr. Bob Judd takes a look at the options. An equine recurrent uveitis, or ERU, is the most common cause of blindness in horses. These eyes are usually cloudy and painful, which can occur in lots of equine eye diseases, but this one is unusual as symptoms come and go. Goals of treatment are to control pain and hopefully preserve vision, and reducing inflammation is key. Topical and systemic medication to control inflammation is critical to treat the disease, and this can be done with corticosteroids or non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drugs and topical medications to dilate the eye and reduce pain. Unfortunately, it's very difficult to treat some of these horses topically as the eye is painful. These treatments can help flares of the disease, but do not prevent recurrence. And if you cannot prevent recurrence, blindness usually develops. There are multiple products that theoretically can be injected into the eyeball, but have not been proven to be effective. Triamcinolone is a corticosteroid that can be injected in the eye, but can lead to glaucoma. It can also be injected between the layers of the eyeball and seems to have less side effects. A very low dosage of the antibiotic genomycin can be injected into the eye and has been shown to decrease inflammation and pain and lasts for several months in some horses. Another treatment is to place a disc containing cyclosporin in between the layers of the eyeball, and this has been shown to last a minimum of 28 months in 80% of the horses. However, the implants are unavailable in many cases and are not approved for use in this manner. The last option is a surgery called pars plana vitrectomy, which removes the inflammatory cells as well as material in the back of the horse's eye. I'm veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd. This is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Texas deer hunters will need to be mindful of several new chronic wasting disease zones when deer season starts in the fall. Jessica Domel has more information on those zones in today's wildlife report. Due to recent detections of chronic wasting disease in deer breeding facilities and sites, the Texas Parks and Wildlife Commission recently approved the creation of several CWD surveillance zones to monitor the potential spread of the fatal neurological deer disease. Dr. J. Hunter Reed, TPWD Wildlife Veterinarian, discussed the zones with the Parks and Wildlife Commission before they were approved. Zavala County, the surveillance zone would encompass 22 properties. In Washington County, this would encompass 555 properties, primarily because of the fact that small landowners located in the city of Brenham would be included. In Gonzales County, using this approach would encompass 104 properties. This next surveillance zone in Hamilton County would encompass 75 properties. And then lastly, Frio County, using this approach, would create a surveillance zone that would encompass 27 properties. At the May meeting, the commission also approved a proposal that would allow CWD check stations outside of surveillance zones if necessary. A new provision would also allow hunters to transport the heads of CWD-susceptible species, like white-tailed deer, to check stations outside of a surveillance zone when necessary. And the commission approved the removal of a sunset provision for the CWD zone in Duval County because the new CWD provisions allow for the removal of the zones if certain conditions are met. The commission will consider new CWD zones in Sutton and Bear County at their August meeting following detections of CWD in both of those counties. 
Those detections came too late to be considered at the May meeting. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. Another day, another record in cattle prices. We'll look at all the livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. Why do you listen? Anytime I'm talking to a friend about new music and I don't know what it is, it's probably because they were listening to radio and I was. I'm nosy. I like to know what's going on, and radio usually is right there telling me what and when is going on and where it's going on. Well, listen in the barn, skid loader, tractor, and just about anywhere you can. When you put the lights on on the barn, the radio went on. Why do you listen? Go to whyilisten.com, tell us why you listen, and you have a chance to win $500. Visit whyilisten.com today. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. It was another exciting day in the cattle market on Tuesday as we continue to reach into record territory. We set a record again on the live cattle futures market. The nearby June contract up 267, closing at an all-time high of 179.82. The contract did trade above 180 at one point during the trading session, but we backed it off near the close, closing at that 179.82 level. August live cattle up 222, closing at 175.50. October up $1.92, 178.25. Feeder cattle in record territory as well. Now, not on the nearby August. It was up 65, closing at 243.25. But the deferred contracts well into the record territory. September contract up 90 cents, 246.52. The October up $1.17, 248.82. Cash-fed cattle market looks like it's going to be higher again this week. That's probably one of the reasons we're seeing this jump in the futures market as it tries to play catch-up. We did see a report of some light sales, very light sales here in Texas on Tuesday at 182. That's another two bucks higher and another all-time record high for cash-fed cattle here in our region. Again, those were very light sales, so we'll see the bulk of the trade coming later this week. But those early sales look like an indicator that we will see higher money. Another very positive factor in the cattle market, boxed beef. Boxed beef prices taking a jump along with everything else this week. Choice was up 721 on Tuesday, 321.40, with select up 271, 299.44. We are also seeing great feeder cattle prices at the auction barns. Let's walk those pens with Larry Marble. Rodney Butler's helping me today. That's Rodney Butler, Beville Livestock. Sold him on Friday. Rodney, how'd he go? We had a good sale Friday. Seemed like that old camp market's on the top shelf. They're selling good. We had some good cattle. That always helps the market, but we had a good sale Friday, sir. Well, walk the pins with us, Rodney. All right, we had a little over 400 head of cattle, no horses, and 25 goats. And that old market was strong. Two to 300 pound steers were 225 to 275 heifers, $1.92 to 250. Two 300, 400 pound steers were 230 to 305. Heifers were 207 to 260. Your 400, 500 pound steers were 213 to 265. Heifers, 200, $2 to 238. Your 500 to 600 pound steers were $1.94 to 245. Heifers were $1.88 to 229. 600 to 700 pound steers were $1.89 to 225. Heifers were $1.72 to 220. 
and your 700 to 800 pound steers were $1.65 to $1.96, and heifers were $1.55 to 201 Packer cow market and bull market is pretty steady. They brought anywhere from 60 to a dollar. Slaughter bulls brought from 74 to a dollar 16. Young stalker cows, we had a few of them. They brought anywhere from 79 to a dollar 13 with some bred cows dollar and out around that 1460 and we didn't have any pairs or horses this last week sir do you know of anything for this next friday i know of two bunches of calves coming next friday uh there'll be black calves charlotte cross calves and then that's all i know of right now but i'm sure we'll have hopefully another three to four hundred hits sir well tell everybody how to get a hold of your rodney butler and bville for friday's sale yeah, if I can help market your cattle down here in South Texas, call me at 361-358-1727 or y'all reach out to my mobile 645-5002. We appreciate you. Thank you so much. Thank you and take care, Larry. You too, Rodney and Texas Farm Bureau Radio listeners, y'all take care too. Come on back tomorrow. Another edition of Walking the Pins here on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. You're listening right now on Texas Ag Today. Back over to the futures market now. Lean hogs taking a big jump Tuesday. June hogs up 297 at 88.30. July hogs up 417, 88.32. Class 3 milk was higher. June milk up 5 cents, 15.24 a hundredweight. July milk up 41 at 16.38 a hundred. The cotton market climbed slightly higher. Traders seem to be waiting for Thursday morning's USDA export sales report and the supply and demand report, which is coming out on Friday, to see if that's going to influence the market one way or the other. July cotton up 55 points, 85.34. The lightly traded October up 80 points at 83.22. December cotton up 36 points, 81.78 cents. Corn market closed higher again, getting support from USDA's weekly crop progress report. It showed that 64% of the U.S. corn crop was rated good to excellent. That is down five percentage points from last week's report. July corn up 10 and a half, 608 a bushel. September corn up four and a quarter, 534 and a half, with December up four at 541 a bushel. Wheat market was mixed, hard wheat lower, soft wheat higher. July Kansas City wheat down two at 820 and a quarter. July Chicago wheat up three and three quarters, 627 and three quarters. In the energy markets on Tuesday, July natural gas was up a penny, 226. July West Texas crude down 69 at 7146 a barrel. The financial market slightly higher Tuesday afternoon. The Dow up 10 points, 33,573. The Nasdaq up 46 at 13,276. The S&P up 10 at 4,283. That wraps up our look at the markets, and that wraps up this edition of Texas Ag Today. I'm Kerry Martin. Hope to see you back here next time as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the U.S. of A., Texas agriculture. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.